This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm Amit Ghosh, an internal medicine physician at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. We're going to talk today about staying fit during COVID-19. We are joined our podcast by Dr. Edward Laskowski, who is Professor of Physical Medicine at Mayo Clinic Rochester. He's also the co-director of the Sports Medicine Center at Mayo Clinic Rochester and a board member of the National Fitness Foundation. Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much, Amit. Pleasure to be here. So, Ed, we have all this free time during COVID, and I see a lot of people, my neighbors, everybody's walking, but there are others who are saying that they are not in the pre-COVID phase. So regardless, I wanted to know from you, what is the real harms of inactivity during this period? Well, I mean, you know, we have an epidemic really of sedentary lifestyle in, in the world today. So about 70% of our country is uh, overweight, obese and sedentary lifestyle. So a lot of this was present pre-COVID, um, it is nice to see actually sometimes the COVID environment, it, it kind of makes you focus a little bit more and have a little bit more time and, and get people moving. Uh, but because movement really is medicine. It really is. It's in so many ways, uh, exercise benefits at both physiologically and mentally. And, and again, in the COVID environment, one of the immediate effects of exercise is anxiety reduction, which, which this environment gives us a lot of anxiety. But, but when we're sedentary, that what it can also cause is, you know, we get depressed because maybe our, our job situation is different and, and we are in various stages of lockdown. So, but when we get sedentary, we do a, a whole mess of bad things to our body. And uh, we, uh, we have deleterious effects to our metabolic profile, our lipids. So the good, the good lipids, the HDL lipids, which are good, we want those to be elevated. They can decrease the bad lipids, the LDLs can increase our our resistance to insulin can increase when we're sedentary. So we, we actually have increased risk of type 2 diabetes. Um, again, weight gain risk when we're not burning calories, that's a risk. So the studies have found that even, even if you're active, you get the recommended amounts of activity throughout the day. If you're sedentary during other parts of the day, uh, you think of, you know, again, people who sit at a computer for eight, nine, 10 hours a day, that's a risk factor, even if we're active for, for other parts of the day. So movement truly is medicine. We want to integrate movement as much as possible into our daily life. It'll improve uh, quantity as well as quality of life. I was just seeing a patient earlier this week, and he said, hey, doc, uh, I didn't realize I gained four kilos. Um, and potentially, I mean, you could put up a lot of pounds uh, in the three or four months that we have been in lockdown phase. Uh, what is your experience with an inactivity and weight gain? So, yeah, you know, and you may have heard the term uh, quarantine 15. <laughs> so, you know, anytime there's a change in our environment, and that's why people, when they go to college, they say, well, people gain weight, there's stress, there's a new environment. We, we're in a new environment with COVID. We, we're changing the way we work. We may not be working. So all those things affect us and uh, may reduce our, our usual routine. And gyms are closed. Health clubs are closed. Fitness facilities have been closed. So, you know, we may enjoy that type of, we really 
need socialization and people to, to be active with, and we don't have that with COVID. So I think all those changes can bring about, you know, depression, and, and then we, we don't move as much, and then there's a, a feed forward in a bad way. It kind of makes us more sedentary. We don't tend to do as much. We may eat more because we're, we're at home, and those are, those are all bad things. So those can contribute all to, to weight gain during this time. So Ed, I've heard you talking about exercise beyond just the benefits on the muscle and the cardiac, and you didn't mention anxiety, you didn't mention diabetes. What about sleep? And I've heard you talk about long-term benefits and reduction of cancer prevalence. Can you talk more about the overarching benefit beyond the heart and the muscles? Oh, that's a great, great point. I mean, it, uh, you know, and, and again, if uh, if there was a medicine that gave us all the benefits of physical activity, it probably would be the best medicine in the history of the world. It'd probably be the most popular and best-selling medicine. Um, that's that's how powerful exercise is. And and you know, when we talk about exercise and activity, we think of you know, oh, is that one? There is voluminous evidence, and meaning multiple scientific studies. We're seeing a lot of scientific studies on COVID, and we learn about it. We've learned about exercise throughout the years, and there is voluminous evidence. So as you point out, so heart disease, it reduces the risk of heart disease, reduces the risk of stroke, um, reduces the risk of 13 cancers, I'm at 13 separate cancers. Um, but, you know, the physical bend helps in weight maintenance, helps in weight control, helps in weight loss. But, you know, we think of those physical benefits, but we don't often think of the psychological benefits. And exercise actually has been found to treat depression as effectively as cognitive behavioral therapy or Prozac very, very powerful. It has been shown to influence Parkinson's disease. That's a neurologic condition where now the neurologist, actually sports medicine, were the first line of treatment for somebody newly diagnosed with Parkinsonism. That's how powerful the evidence is that exercise improves the Parkinson's patient. So we get them involved in a program of stretching, aerobic activity. Ron Peterson here at Mayo has done some great work showing that exercise actually delays the onset of dementia of Alzheimer's disease. So huge benefits there. And, and just again, this time of COVID is a time of anxiety. It reduces anxiety. And that is one of the immediate effects of exercise is that ang is anxiety reduction. That some of the effects of exercise, you know, we're kind of impatient. They, they take a long time to accrue. But you are anxious. You go out for a 30-minute walk. It's going to make a difference right away. So um, again, the, and those are, the, those are the, the more the intangible benefits that we may not think of initially. So a lot of patients who have gained weight, some of my patients have come with joint pains and mainly it's on the knees and they said they didn't have it. In fact, yesterday I sent a gentleman to your clinic just because of that. And I was trying to explain to them that if you have fat around the belly and that goes up, it affects the joint. But you have a mathematical or a physics principle of what happens for every pound of weight you put around the belly what happens to the pressure on the joint? You know, that is a great point. And, and we found in studies that actually one pound of, of weight gain, say in the stomach or belly area, translates to four pounds of loading force on the hips, of the knees, and actually on the lumbar spine. So if you just think of 10 pounds in that area, that's 40 additional pounds strapped to your knee or your hip or your back. So it, it, it really is, it's just because of the way we're made and, and the way joints accept load and force and, and the lever arm mechanics, um, it's actually a magnified force. So in treating 
one, one of, you know, you hear about regenerative medicine a lot, and it's certainly an exciting field of, of platelet-rich plasma and stem cells and things. The most effective treatments for arthritis, though, are weight loss, losing weight, and strengthening the muscles about the joint. And when we, when we look at all the treatments out there, including the injectable medicines, the orthobiologics and all, those still come to the top. And if we can get people to lose, like in, on the converse, when, when they lose weight, doc, my, my knee pain is so much better. I've lost 20 pounds. That's 80 pounds of load off the knees that you've taken. So one of the things people always talk about is they don't really talk about it, but when we push hard, it doesn't take long to understand that they need some motivation to do something beyond. This is a lockdown mode. Things are on the news they're hearing. Uh, we have been followed. Uh, how do I motivate myself? Should I be part of a virtual group? Because it's uh, physical distancing right now. Or should, can I do it by myself? And what kind of exercise do I need to do? The gym is closed. Do I need some fancy equipment? Or is it just mother nature that can help me kind of guide through my exercise? Yes, those are great questions, Amit. So, you know, one of the things I try and tell people is exercise doesn't have to be intense. And sometimes, you know, that's why I even like the term physical activity, because we tend to hear the word exercise and we think of, you know, sweating bullets and, and wearing spandex and going somewhere to do something. Really, the, any movement is medicine. So the simple stuff works. So, it, you know, it re you really have to like what you do to do it. So some of these machines that, you know, oh, I force myself into <laughs> really walking is fine. If you like to do a stationary bike, that's great. If you like to do elliptical, that's great. But you, you need to like what you do. I think a lot of times doing it um, in this COVID time, like you say, our gyms are closed, but we can do some virtual things and that's great. You know, and some people can get together with virtual clubs to do things, but uh, also families. And, and that's a great, it's a great time for families to get together. I, I'm, uh, when I was on the President's Council on Physical Fitness, I had a big push for family fitness because you're a role model. You're a role model to your family. You're a role model to your peers, your colleagues around you. And, and it's 90% caught, 10% taught. They'll, 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 they'll do what, what they see you doing. So if we're active in our lifestyle, so say, you know, you're eating dinner and you get, you know, you talk about the day, everybody talks about their day's events at the dinner table. Well, maybe do that while walking around the neighborhood you know, real simple things like just walk around while you're talking, family games, you know, tag, fun, just fun things in the backyard can be fun. Um, dance can be a whole mess of fun. And, and technology can help us there. If you like some of the video dance games and dance routines, those are great. Uh, but, uh, you know, just dancing itself, you know, either ballroom or hip hop or whatever you do, TikTok's very popular now, just do, that's great. I mean, any movement, if you like that and it's enjoyable for you to do, that's what you're gonna continue doing. So finding something that's enjoyable, finding something that's easy to do, maybe finding something to do with family or friends, and then, and then remembering in your mind that it, you don't have to do 10 hours of exercise, you don't have to run marathons. Really our, our, our barometers are 150 minutes of moderately intense activity per week. So that's 30 minutes, five days a week of exercise. It kind of gets us breathing hard, but, but, but not so hard that we can't hold a conversation. So, so that level of activity will, will reap myriad benefits. I, I remember Reverend Martin Luther King saying that if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. Keep doing something. As long as you're doing something, it's fine. So even 10 minutes of exercise, what I'm hearing every day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and magically go up to the half an hour or whatever, some movement is better than no movement. Is that right? 
Absolutely correct, Amit. And, and you know, we actually revised our, I've been privileged to be involved in the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans. They were first developed in 2008, revised in 2018. And in the 2018 revision, we actually deleted the, it used to be thought, oh, you know, you should do 10 minutes at least of activity. And, and again, there's a, been a plethora of studies that show us that any movement is good movement. So moving the old things about parking the car further away when you, when you go somewhere, taking the stairs, walking in your lunch hour, walking throughout the day, those are all true. And, and it's cumulative throughout the day. So we don't have to make it an onerous thing. And, and you can start slow. And that's the thing, like you say, it's some people get really intimidated by the numbers sometimes. And they try it the first time they try and do the whole 30 minutes at one time say, Oh, I'm sore. I hurt. I'm, I'm done. You know, if we, but do two, three minutes, do two, three minutes in the morning, and then in the afternoon, and the next week, you maybe you're up to four or five minutes. And next week, you're up to eight minutes. Next week, you're up to 11 minutes. And it, you know, that, that slow and steady wins the race. So the more we can kind of accumulate that throughout the day, it will benefit our health tremendously. So if I do 10 minutes and break it up maybe three times a day, is it same as exercising 30 minutes at one time? Yeah, it absolutely is on it. So, and it even long, shorter distances than that, even if we can do, oh, I, can't, I don't have much time, I've got two, three minutes in my, you know, before my next patient or whatever, that's fine. Okay, go for a little walk. That'll, that'll actually cum accumulate benefits for you. So, and, it, and it's also easier to get started that way because it's, it's not the big numbers that people think they have to keep up with. There's a staircase next to me after I just get off from the interview, I'm planning to go up and down a couple of floors. <laughs> I mean, patients, we can do that, right? I mean, that should be that should be a good start. Exactly so, right. So you're kind of all the myths that we have that we need fancy equipment. You said we can we can use our legs. Can we use our body as weight, body parts as weight, rather than lifting some heavy weight? Can we use our arms and legs? Absolutely. That's a great point, Ahmed. And you know, it, you don't have to have the fancy equipment. Like you say, walking is, you can get the same benefit from walking as, or as walking as you do from running. And really it's low impact. It's, it's a great exercise and, and you don't need any fancy equipment to do that. But as you said, your body can provide weight for, you think of things like a push-up or a squat exercise. And we actually on, on mailclinic.org, um, if you search strength training videos, you will get a series of 35 videos and, and they're involving training with body weight only, with resistance tubing, with free weights and with machines. So again, whatever you like to do, if you like to use resistance bands, fine. If you like to use free weights, fine, but you can do a lot with your, just your body weight. And you think of climbing stairs. It's a great exercise for the gluteal muscles as well. If we engage our core, that helps as well. You think of things like uh, a lot of our core exercises like planks and bridge positions. Those can be done without any fancy equipment and with just your body weight. And they're very effective at, at improving our fitness. So even in this environment where our health club may be temporarily closed and all, we can't access it, we still can get very good strength effects for our muscles and we certainly can get the cardiovascular and aerobic effects for our bodies with with minimal equipment or no equipment i checked those videos and you're on many of those videos they're, they are wonderful uh specifically the the strength exercises and the bands the different color of the bands you want to, once you want to get fancy you want to use stronger bands and you're really very well and i would encourage all our listeners uh to look at the videos we will include the website with the, with the podcast. One of the things I wanted to get an idea from you is they talk about calories, right? So how much calories, approximate calories we can burn by say walking for half an hour 
or running for 20 minutes or biking, swimming, elliptical. And, you know, people have different timing, but over an average, 30 minutes. Yeah. So in, in a lot of say study an hour, so say an hour of walking, that can burn about 300, over 300 calories. So just for an hour of walking. If we're uh, swimming for an hour, that may be 400, 450 calories. If we run at a pace of about five miles an hour, that's about 600 calories an hour that we can burn. So um, even golfing, you're walk, if you're walking, um, pulling your cl uh, clubs, about 300 calories an hour there. Elliptical trainers, about three to 400 calories per hour. Dancing, ballroom dancing, even a couple of hundred or 300 calories per hour. So these are very uh, effective modes of burning calories. And uh, again, it doesn't have to be that intense. Um, it's just consistency is the key. And the more we can accumulate, these are for hours, but just think of all the walking you do throughout the day, that really adds up. So, so you're really combating with the calories you take in, you're really providing some good calorie burn for those calories. Coming back to another category of patients or individuals who are very, very important to us, the elderly and the mm. disabled. People are in the nursing home. There are women who are pregnant. Of course, children are very active by themselves, but let's go one by one. Um, maybe if you can start with the elderly, what can they do during this period? Right. You know, you know, again, because simple stuff works is the, the simplest thing is walking. So very simple. Like even if you're in a long-term care facility, walking the hallways, walking with your walker. I have a patient who walks so much with his walker. He got so strong. He was able to stop use of the walker. So simple things, getting up and down off of a chair. That's a squat exercise. And that's something we do every day in life. So even people, again, in a facility, they can practice those types of things to gain strength. And, and, and again, um, strength can be gained at any age. There's there's been some studies that show that even not we until we breathe our last breath, we can always improve our status. So our muscle responds at any age to strength training. So and it can be again very simple. It can be with your body weight at first. It can be with a soup can if you're training your biceps with a soup can. Uh, that's okay. Any load to the muscle causes the muscle to change and adapt and get stronger. So it, it can start out very slow. I hate to put the word disabled because nobody's truly disabled as long as you don't allow your mind to be disabled. My patients have corrected me when I've used the term, but anybody who has a prosthesis or uh, is wheelchair bound, uh, has a neurogenic bladder or some kind of situation, what can they do for exercise during this time? It's a great question, you know, and I've had the privilege of working with the United States Paralympic team. So, so these are athletes who do have amputations, they have spinal cord injuries, they have disabilities that really affect their physical status, but, you know, their performance is amazing. I have amputee skiers who ski 80 miles an hour down a hill. I have paralyzed skiers who sit in a sit ski down the hill about that same speed. So the, the point is with, with adaptive equipment now, there's, there's just about nothing that you can't do. And we can find ways. I used to work with uh, disabled skiers and, and boy, you know, they may have cerebral palsy. They may have a, an amputation, but when they get on that ski hill, the, the gravity and the motion, they're free, you know? So, so the one thing is there's a lot of adaptive equipment available for people with disabilities to permit them to exercise. For, for those in the wheelchair, your arms become your legs. And uh, I have a patient who's done over 100 marathons in his wheelchair and uh, is incredible. And he has, He's had an injury since his age 30s, age 70 now, and uh, 
it's in incredible shape. So, um, you know, if you use a wheelchair, use of your arms, you can certainly strength training while in the chair. You know, my specialty, physical medicine and rehabilitation, we deal with improving function. So we can help you. There's just about, again, any entity of disease or disability that you have, we can find a way to accommodate for that and provide you with recommendations to get you the exercise that you need. So one of the characteristics of a good physical medicine doc like you is looks like you are a motivational, you have to be a motivational person. You have to be like a psychologist, <laughs> apart from all the skills that you have to know about getting the muscle into action. So I think that's, that says amazing amount of what pushes people to do the kind of work that you're doing. And thank you for that. What about pregnant women who are in the second or third trimester? What kind of exercises are safe for them? Apart from just walking, walking, I can, I get it. You know, a, a lot of people, if they've been doing something regularly, they can usually continue that even into the second and third trimester. So, and again, we're not talking about heavy weight training, but if you're, if you're doing some, say, band strength training for your upper body, there's no reason really to stop that uh, when you're pregnant. Uh, we recommend avoiding valsalva, like holding your breath and increasing the pressure, but that's true for anyone. Uh, but usually those who've been exercising can really continue safely into the pregnancy. As you mentioned, the lower impact thing, are, are, are nice. If somebody hasn't exercised and want to get, wants to get a program started, things like stationary bikes, ellipticals, things like that, very at a moderate level, very safe and, and, and no reason why you can't do that. And even strength training, again, biasing toward a higher repetition type weight that's not as heavy, no reason why you can't do that as well. So, and it, and it provides a lot of positive effects for pregnancy. We, we see less incidence of gestational diabetes in those who are active during their pregnancy. So a lot of benefits for that population as well. Uh, a lot of my patients come and then they say that they're watching a lot of YouTube videos on, you mentioned hip hop or some games, they're standing, even technology now has some equipment which makes you keep track of what you're doing and keep track and also allows you to do. Is there anything which Mayo is recommending apart from the videos that you have in your physical medicine website? Well, the the one thing that, um, you know, we stress the, the fact that it's not practice that makes perfect, it's perfect practice. So so that's why we put the videos on the website is we, with strength training, especially when you're handling any resistance, you want to have the correct technique and form. Otherwise, you can hurt yourself or not get the optimal results. So so we want that perfect practice. But uh, but really, again, there's there's so many, you know, and you don't have to have fancy trackers. There's You can have a fitness activity tracker. That's fine. Um, but you don't need one <laughs> as long as you get that activity throughout the day and as long as you're moving, that's the key. If it helps you to keep on track and I personally wear one, is it magic? No, but it kind of reminds me, ah, you know, I really haven't done anything the past couple hours or I got to, you know, I'm really not doing too good today. So it kind of keeps me on track in that sense. And uh, so they're helpful. They're not magic, but they're, they're helpful in that sense. But, but I think the more we can weave activity into our lifestyle, the better when it doesn't have to be a planned program thing like oh I gotta go somewhere to do something and then I come back and if we can kind of weave it in like it's just again those walks after dinner the walks uh, during work the walks to your car if we can weave that activity in more then then that's uh, I think an easier way and a more palatable way to do it that's great so I, I saw a gentleman 75 years old who carries a small notebook very low tech nothing fancy and he keeps writing down how much he has walked Mm. And I asked him, why is he doing it? He said he was 260 pounds and he just 
wrote down what he was eating every day and that helped him reorient what he was doing and the amount he was walking. Just looking at it, uh, he could keep track and he lost a good 75 pounds over the, over the course of a year. And I was amazed he didn't have any fancy uh, tracking devices, which we know now that exist. But it's motivation and the kind of track he left. But what I'm hearing today from very important from you is keep moving. Uh, use your muscles. You can use your muscles as weights. You don't need fancy weights. If you have, it's fine. But technique is important. You can't hurt yourself. So watching your videos are going to be very, very helpful. And that we are going to include. Now things are going to resolve. Most of businesses are opening and we'll be getting back to work. Is there something, if you have developed excellent habits during this period, how do we carry it forwards? Well, I think a simple way is what the patient example you use. We say some of the best ways to, to change a habit is to keep track of it. And it doesn't have to be a, tra a fitness tracker, but just writing it down, you know, what you did every day. And that, that, I think when you see those, oh, you know, I missed this day or whatever. And everybody, you know, we can get sick or we can get things happen in life. That's okay. Don't get down on yourself for a, a few days of miss. But, but consistency is key. And it's consistency is more important than intensity. So doing it regularly, doing it, uh, and again, finding those things that are enjoyable, finding those things that you like to do. Not There is no one specific. Some people will say, oh, I love working out with people. I love going to, some people say, oh, I hate that. <laughs> I just like doing stuff myself. There's, there's no one formula that works. But what works is, as you said, um, it is movement. You know, finding ways to incorporate that movement that are enjoyable, that are fun, that include family and friends, that include some some degree of muscle strengthening as well. You know, and, and we're going to get a myriad of benefits for our, our psychological health as well as our physical health. And, and thank you, Ed, for what, what you do for our patients and you do for our sports community overall. You're the living example. You walk the walk, talk the talk. In fact, a lot of my patients do so much exercise that I'm ready to certify them. I said, I'm learning from you. You don't uh -huh. have to hear anything from me. And I tell them, I'm ready to certify that the patient is way more healthier than the physician who is examining him. <laughs> right and uh, so thank you very much. And we will, we will include your videos. So what, ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking about the benefits of exercise, benefit of doing something, benefit of staying fit during COVID-19. Uh, we are joined here by Dr. Edward Lovskowski, who is Professor of Physical Medicine and Co-Director of the Sports Medicine Center at Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. Before I conclude, Ed, any parting thoughts? You know, I think I, I think keeping it simple is some, one of the main messages. Uh, I think people are sometimes so intimidated by the word exercise and and demotivated by it. So keeping it simple, just moving throughout your day, uh, keeping it enjoyable and fun, and and just knowing how much good you're doing for your body. I think that that's what all the data shows us that you you can't. This is the best medicine we could ever take, and it's free, and it has no side effects. So. That's right. So park your car at the farthest spot and, and don't crib about it when you're walking like a couple of hundred steps more to get to the parking lot and to your car. <laughs> you keep doing it day in, day out, and soon your belt size will decrease. I had a professor who said the shorter the belt, the longer the life. <laughs> and that probably holds true in medicine as is everything else. Thank you very much, Ed. We will continue to bring you updates on the situation as events unfold. If you have enjoyed the Mayo Clinic podcast, please subscribe 
stay healthy and see you next week.